Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hay dos cosas que son absolutamente ciertas. Abuelita te ama y nunca diría que no a McDonald's. Date un gusto con un Grandma McFlurry en tu orden hoy. Es lo que abuela quisiera. Baratapapa. En McDonald's Participantes por Tiempo Limitado. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to a very somber, very sad, very depressing Let's Ride podcast on this Monday. It's right after Wild Card Weekend, and that means that the Pittsburgh Steelers season is done. I can't believe I'm saying it. It's done. It's over. Everything is over. Uh, my podcast isn't over, so good news for you if you enjoy the show. Um, I'm just, I'm going to continue doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday, all off season. That's not going to change. So if you enjoy the let's ride podcast, don't worry. I'm not changing my schedule at all. However, the Steelers will be changing their schedule after a 48 to 30. What a weird score, by the way, 48 to 37 loss to the Cleveland Browns in the wild card round of the 2020, 2021, uh, AFC playoffs. I, I I just still cannot get over the fact that the Pittsburgh Steelers have not won a playoff game since 2016. That boggles my mind. Take away the fact they lost to the Browns. Take away the how they lost. The Steelers have not won a playoff game since 2016. If you don't follow me on Twitter, you can go to uh, Twitter. If you have a Twitter account, look up at J Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. Follow me. And I said this during the game yesterday, and I'll say this to kind of start us off here. And this is not the headline or title of the episode, but um, I would have paid money to be a fly on the wall in Art Rooney's suite, Art Rooney II, his suite last night, as the Steelers were just, well, they came out to a 28 to nothing first quarter deficit. I would have just... I would have wanted to see what he was, what was he doing? How was he reacting? Was he just calmly sitting there? Shockingly, and I say this intentionally, shockingly, the NBC crew did not show his suite. If they did, I missed it. 
And that can happen because I've, I have my laptop in front of me. I've got a lot of stuff going on during the game. But I would have paid money to know what was going on with Art Ray. I, he had to be and has to be, not always past tense. He probably still is, livid. I mean livid. And let's be honest, if there were rumors, and they might just be rumors, I get that, but if there were rumors that Mike Tomlin was on the hot seat already, meaning he was on the hot seat coming into 2020, you got to think that seat got a little bit hotter. Because after the 11-0 start, it just, the boy did the wheels fall off. I, that is the best analogy that you can use. The wheels literally fell off as the Steelers lose, I believe, uh, four of their last five games down the stretch, and then their season's done. Their season is done. It's hard to believe. It's hard to believe. After all we've talked about this whole season, it's hard to believe. But you know what? Today's title of this episode is There's Plenty of Blame to Go Around After the Latest Playoff Dud. There's plenty of blame. And honestly, I want to make sure we know that we're still going to do winners and losers in the second segment. Got a couple things I want to talk about at the end of the show, so make sure you stick around uh, for that as well. But let's get into this. I We did the... As we always do, the Steelers post game show, and you can check out the audio on our audio platform. You can check us out on YouTube. Go to youtube.com, search BTSC Steelers Radio, and you can find all of our PM shows live on YouTube. And you know, when we did that show last night, combined with the people watching live on Facebook and the people watching live on YouTube, we had well over a thousand people watching the post game show. And this was really late at night on the East Coast, and everyone was fuming. I got it. We expected that. I mean, this is not my first year doing post-game shows. It's not Dave Schofield or Brian Anthony Davis's first year either. We knew what to expect. We knew the fan base was going to be extremely emotional, and they were going to want to vent. And that's exactly what that platform is for. The live chat on YouTube, or if you're in our, if you follow us on Facebook and you see our live videos, that comment section is there for that, for you to vent. Because not all of you are lucky enough, like I am right now, to have a microphone in front of your face and you have your own platform. So you use those and look at the comment section of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com to vent. I understood it. And a lot of fans were just, a lot of them were saying the same thing. Tomlin needs to go. Tomlin needs to go. I get it. I understand that sentiment 100%. I got into a little bit, it wasn't an argument, it was a discussion with a fellow fan during the game last night. And this all stemmed from Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk. He tweeted out, and this was after the start of the game. I think it was when it was the Steelers maybe tw- down 21 nothing. He tweeted out, this is on Tomlin. This is all on Mike Tomlin. And I, I quote tweeted it and said, oh, that's right. It was Mike Tomlin that snapped the ball over Marquise, Pou- or the Marquise Pouncey. It was Mike Tomlin that snapped the ball over Ben Roethlisberger's head. It was Mike Tomlin out there missing tackles. It was Mike Tomlin out there throwing interceptions. And this is where it comes down to. In case I, I tried to explain this to, to this fan. And I think he got it eventually. And it wasn't that I was right and he was wrong. It was that when people have this debate, it's kind of like what comes first, the chicken or the egg. You know, it, it's a debate that you can never fully say which is right and which is wrong. If a tree falls in the woods and no one's there to hear it, Does it make a sound? These philosophical debates that happen all the time. In this case, we're talking about if if an NFL team or any football team or any team that has a coach doesn't perform well, 
who is to blame, the coach or the players? And everyone seems to fall into one of these two camps. There's the people that say that it's the coach's fault. The coach did not prepare the team properly for the upcoming contest. And because of that, the players did not execute. Okay, there are situations where that is certainly warranted. Next, the other camp is it's the player's job to go out and make plays. A coach can only do so much in terms of preparation and planning, but it's the players that have to go out and execute. Now, like I said, rarely do you find people that find themselves on the fence. They are normally on one side or the other. I am someone that typically walks that fence line every single season, every single week, And there might be moments where you jump to one camp or the other, and it's not that you're flip-flopping, it's that that's just what it dictates. So when I go through the blame here, there's plenty of blame to go around for this game on both sides of the fence, in both camps. So the start of the game, was that on Mike Tomlin? No, I don't think it was. Again, Marquise Pouncey snaps the ball over Ben Roethlisberger's head. Roethlisberger and James Conner, they had... Two Steelers, the closest players to the ball. For some reason, neither of them fall on it or kick it out of the back of the end zone to take a safety. None of them do it. And so then what happens? Touchdown Browns. And so all of a sudden, I don't care. You could have Bill Belichick in his prime with those unbelievable Patriots teams that he has has had. You can't stop that from happening because it's just one play. Marquise Pouncey snaps the ball over Ben Roethlisberger's head, and all hell breaks loose afterwards. I continue. In the first quarter, Roethlisberger throws interceptions. How is that Mike Tomlin, Randy Feetner, Matt Canada's fault? No one told Roethlisberger to airmail a pass intended for, I think it was Benny Snell or maybe it was James Conner, and it gets picked off. You just That's not on coaching. That's not on coaching. Mike Tomlin could have given the best pregame speech. They could have had their best weeks of practice leading up to this game. And you know what? You can't always plan for a disaster like the snap over Ben Roethlisberger's head. You just can't. You cannot always prepare for that. Now, if you go to the other side of the coin, let's go to the second half. Now you have situations where, yeah, the coaches can certainly be blamed. You look at Defensive personnel decisions, and we're going to talk about some of these throughout this podcast. Defensive personnel decisions, offensive play calling, um, definitely questionable head coaching decisions, i.e. the fourth and one where the Steelers lived in their fears, quote-unquote. That's on Tomlin. That's on the coaches. So, yeah, there can be both. But people that are saying this is all on Tomlin, that's that's kind of short-sighted. Is a lot of it? Yeah, all of it, no. Let's not forget the players have to go out and make the plays, okay? Ben Roethlisberger throws for over 500 yards, completes over 45 passes, and yet they lose because he threw four touchdowns, or four interceptions. He negated those interceptions with touchdowns, but those interceptions were absolutely brutal. So regardless of where you fall on this spectrum, maybe you are someone that blames Tomlin, and maybe you're someone that blames the players in this game You cannot ignore player execution. And let's be honest, the coach's plans haven't been great all year. So both are to blame in this game. We don't need to heap all of the blame on one specific group. So who else is to blame? Well, I I hate to say this because it sounds like an excuse, but it's fact. Injuries and age are also to blame for this game. You look at, you, you lose Devin Bush, you lose Bud Dupree. Those two on defense were absolutely critical. They, they were critical parts of this 
Steelers defense. And honestly, Dupree being out hadn't been a huge factor. Alex Highsmith had played extremely well in his absence. But when when Highsmith leaves with a high ankle sprain, which Mike Tomlin said in the postgame press conference, now you're looking at Ola Adenye or Cassius Marsh out there playing. That's just, no, it's just not going to work. The Browns are going to be able to say, we're going to move everything to TJ Wattside. There's no threat on the opposite. We're going to run right at him, and that's exactly what they did. Those injuries hurt. Those injuries hurt. And you can, like I said, you throw in Alex Highsmith. Absolutely. But then when you look at age, boy, is age creeping up. Ben Roethlisberger. And then when I started to write these down in my notes, it got really scary. And I'll tell you why. So you have Roethlisberger. We know he's getting up there in age. Marquise Pouncey, David DeCastro, Alejandro Villanueva. I just named three out of the five offensive linemen that are all getting long in the tooth. And they all look long in the tooth. They all look like they're old. They all look like they're fading. I I just don't know what the Steelers' plan is with these players. No one does. Not yet, anyways. And so that is a that that's that's something I'm blaming. And this is obvious. You can blame the front office for thinking that DeCastro and Al Villanueva and Pouncey were the right call, but I don't know. It's one of those situations where you're looking at it and saying you can't ignore the fact that injuries definitely hurt this team and they are an aging group. The next one, next person to blame, and this is going to be important for the winners and losers as well, Juju Smith-Schuster. Learn to shut your mouth. Learn to shut your mouth and to just keep quiet. And my gosh, I feel like, I feel like, and I love Juju Smith-Schuster. I have since his rookie year. I think he's a great kid. I say that intentionally because he is still a kid. He's very young. He's one of the youngest receivers, believe it or not, on the Steelers roster. But for me, I look at this this player who's getting ready to hit his first stint in free agency, and I can't help but think, even after he had a very good statistical game, that he hurt his market value. Because whether it was dancing on the logos or the, you know, the dancing on in the middle of the field before a game, he did it in Dallas, Buffalo, he did it in Buffalo and they noticed it and they said something about it. And then he goes this week before leading up to the game. And we really didn't talk about this a lot at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And I didn't talk about it either because I felt like the comments were sort of taken out of context, but taken out of context or not. What in the world are the is he thinking even saying those things? Why would you give the Browns any bulletin board material? And why would you do that at all? And when you watch the interview, and it's all over, you can go to Steelers.com, you can watch the app, you can go Google it on YouTube, whatever. When you watch the when you hear the questions asked, and when you see his responses, yeah, there's a couple winks, but again. Just shut your mouth. I just don't know also where the arrogance came from. You know, Juju Smith-Schuster had always kind of been like the low-key, you know, someone stole my bike, uh, real good. Now all of a sudden it's almost like where where is this arrogance coming from? You know, him saying, well, the Browns, they, the Browns is the Browns and stuff. When I woke up this morning, Monday morning, and of course I am checking my social media, making sure Twitter, getting the site up, all that stuff, doing all the stuff that I have to do as the editor. And I'm seeing these clips of Baker Mayfield coming off the field after the game Sunday night, and he's carrying probably a game ball, and he's yelling, Browns is the Browns. 
That is a direct statement that that is pointing directly at Juju Smith-Schuster. So, yes, maybe it was harmless. Yes, maybe it was taken out of context. But the one thing you can't do is just give them an opportunity to take something out of context. Really, really bad look. Really, really bad look for a guy that's getting ready to hit free agency for the first time in his career. For the first time in his career. Okay, the last thing to blame it's not really a blame, but it's it's definitely something I put out on Twitter that I think a lot of people agreed with, resonated with, and that is that in games like the one we saw last night against the Browns in the playoffs, you can tell a lot about individuals when things aren't going right. You can tell a whole heck of a lot about individuals when things aren't going right. And boy, did you see the Steelers' confidence fade fast. And I'm not talking necessarily about the game, you know? I'm not talking about the snap over Pouncey's head, all of a sudden people's heads are down. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, remember back in that 11-0 run, you had Eric Ebron and Juju Smith-Schuster dancing on the sidelines. We were all loving life at that time. Absolutely, we were loving it. But boy, did that confidence fade fast. You saw players coming off the head, look, coming off the field with their head down. They looked dejected. All of it was just... Of it was literally like watching a sinking ship from eleven and zero to twelve and four to one and done. I can be I'll be completely honest with you right now. Never in a million years would I have thought this is how it would go down and that this is how the season would end. Not so much the loss to the Browns, not the wild card loss. What I'm talking about is at eleven and zero. Never in a million years, and I'm sure I'm not alone here. You're probably listening, agreeing with me. Never in a million years would I have think, would I have thought that this season would unravel the way that it did. Confidence faded fast, really fast, and you could see it from the head coach all the way down to the players. That's a problem. There's plenty of blame to go around. I probably could do an hour-long podcast on this, but I'm not. I'm not. We're going to answer some of those questions in regards to some other players and coaches in the winners and losers segment, which will be coming up right after this break. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second segment of this Let's Ride podcast. It's a somber day here at BTSE and across Steeler Nation because the Pittsburgh Steelers are done. They're done. Dunzo, as I always say. They are done, and it's time for us to wrap up this the last game of the, of the season with the winners and losers segment. It's what we always do the day after a game. 
So I came up with three winners and seven losers after this 48 to 37 loss to the Browns. This is an article that you can actually read on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. If you want to comment on it, you can. You can go to uh, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. It'll publish around 1130, just before this podcast is published at noon. So let's get started with the first winner. As much as I just criticized Juju Smith-Schuster in the first half of the show, you got to give him props for his on-field performance. Listen to this stat line. 13 catches, 157 yards, 12.1 average, one touchdown, a 33-yard long, and 19 targets. Believe it or not, I don't know if you knew this, this was only the second time in Juju Smith-Schuster's career that he has eclipsed 100 yards without Antonio Brown being in the lineup. Just think about that. It's only the second time that he's done it. So Juju Smith-Schuster gets targeted 19 times, definitely pays off, pays dividends. For everything that's going against him in terms of off-field stuff, maybe, you know, some teams won't, they don't like maybe the social media aspect of Juju Smith-Schuster. They don't like the fact that he's a guy that's like saying the things that he did leading up to this game. His on-field performance has been very strong. Juju Smith-Schuster did a lot of good this season. He makes the tough catches. If he stays in Pittsburgh, I would be fine with it. But I'll tell you what, he's just he's going to have to change some of his persona, I want to say, is, is a good way to call it. So Juju Smith-Schuster finds his way into the winner's column for sure uh, after that performance on Sunday night. Next, Deontay Johnson, 11 catches, 117 yards, a 10.6-yard average. He didn't get into the end zone, but he did have... 16 targets. Holy cow. And a 19 yard long, 117 yards. Deontay Johnson is, I think that you think about that hiccup and I say hiccup on purpose because I feel like that the drops that he had in the, in the middle of the season, or, or I guess towards the, the final quarter just seems like a blip on the radar. He is going to be, he is already, but he's going to be even better as he continues to grow, continues to mature, continues to learn how to read defenses the way that the quarterback is he's going to be a very special player. Is he an Antonio Brown? No, there's not a lot of Antonio Browns. A lot of people want to compare him to Antonio Brown. I'm not going to do that. I think that there are certain aspects of his game that are reminiscent of Brown. His ability to get off the line of scrimmage to beat press coverage is very similar to Antonio Brown, but he doesn't have the hands of Antonio Brown. He doesn't have the route running yet. Um, He's getting better. He's only a second year guy. So good game from Deontay Johnson deserves to be in the winner's column. Third and final winner, I'm going to give it to Chase Claypool. He had five catches on seven targets for 59 yards. He had 11.8 average, 29-yard long, two touchdowns. James Washington could have found his way on the winner's list, but he was James Washington got almost all of his yards on one drive. Chase Claypool, for me, proved a lot in this game. It didn't come easy for him, but boy, could this kid be really, really tough to defend throughout his career. If the Steelers do lose Juju Smith-Schuster to free agency, I have no doubt that Chase Claypool will be able to step in and their receiving core with Washington and Johnson and maybe whoever else they get will be just fine. I think they'll be just fine because he is proving to be a mismatch nightmare in the National Football League, his two touchdowns. I wish, I don't know why, but you look at his physical ability, his physical prowess, 6'4", 240 something, can run a 4440. Why the Steelers didn't I mean in the red zone, they never really threw a fade route to him. It it just boggles my mind. You look at all those two point conversions, you're thinking this is the perfect time to throw a fade. 
No, they never did. So as you can see, the three winners for this game were all receivers, and that's because of the first loser. I got it. I, I you know, it's it's crazy. Ben Roethlisberger is the first loser for me. When you look at forty-seven completions, which is an NFL record, five hundred and one yards, seven point four average. He throws four touchdowns. He also threw four picks, an eighty-five and a half rating. It's it's the fact that they had to throw it sixty-eight times, and a lot of the reason why is because of Ben Roethlisberger. So people say, well, the defense didn't play well. Yeah, I get it. The defense did not play well. But at the same time, the defense did not turn it over four times, five in total, if you want to count Pouncey's snap over his head. So it's it's a situation where I could see how some people would say, well, Ben, he played a good game, and in some aspects he did. And he also played like pure trash at times too. He might be the most Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I did a podcast on that uh, a little bit over a week ago. He might be the most Jekyll and Hyde player on the Steelers roster. Ben Roethlisberger, they were gonna, they always have and always will be at least probably since two thousand and eight or two thousand and nine. They're gonna win or lose with Ben, and they lost with Ben, period. And that's why he finds his way on the losers list. Will this be his last game? I don't think so. But at the same time, I don't know what to think anymore. Uh, next loser, Marquise Pouncey. I mean, we talked about the bad snap and the first play from scrimmage. Uh, but at the same time, his snaps were pretty bad all around last night. A lot of high snaps, low snaps through uh, timing off of plays. And let's also not forget that last season, Pouncey's snaps were not good either. It was a, it was so They were so bad that it became a talking point in Mike Tomlin's press conferences. And he said, you know, a lot of times last season, the reason why these snaps weren't as bad was because, well, Ben Roethlisberger was there. And Ben Roethlisberger's there now, and they're still they're still just not that good. Pouncey, he just got that new deal. I'm not sure what the Steelers have in mind for him, but it it's just is a situation where, like I said earlier, age is creeping up, getting long in the tooth, and you're ask, asking yourself how much longer do you have, and how much longer do you want to put up with some of these things. So Marquise Pouncey on the losers list. Next is is technically Mike Tomlin, but one specific area. I'm not going for it in the fourth quarter when it's a fourth and one. To me, and Mike Tomlin after the game, he said in his post-game press conference that he didn't go for it because the defense had been playing well, they had gotten quick three and outs, and he didn't want to mess with that momentum. I'm sorry, I don't buy that. Because your offense, for everything he just said about the the defense, he could say the exact thing about the offense being red hot, moving the ball at will. Why wouldn't you go for it? Go for it and don't give them the ball back. For a coach that sits there at a podium and says, we don't live in our fears, over and over again, ad nauseum, what he did was the epitome of living in, this, living in his fears. The epitome of living in his fears. So for me, that, that alone puts you on the losers list because you you have a chance to say we're going to control our own destiny. If you trust your defense so much, then you wouldn't be then you would say, "Yeah, let's do it. Let's go out and run it. If we don't get it, the defense is going to stop them." Living in your fears for everything that you say and honestly when he says stuff like this and it comes back to bite him, boy does it take some validity away from his words. Period. Next loser, this is going to the coaching staff in general playing Matt Filer and Robert Spillane the entire game. I mean, 
come on. Like, there's no stat line here I need to list. Matt Filer and Spillane hadn't played in weeks. They were on the injured reserve list. Spillane with a knee injury. Filer with a with a pec, a pectoral muscle injury. So they come back, and Filer's getting pushed around. I guess, in my opinion, I asked the question, at what point do you say, we got to do something? We got to make a change. At what point would they should they have said, we're going to put Dotson in. Filer's just not getting it done. We're going to put Dotson in. There's almost loyalty to a fault. Spillane was getting abused, and they were honestly putting Jarvis Landry. The, the Cleveland Browns had a really good game plan, really good game plan. They knew exactly how to get Robert Spillane in coverage, Vince Williams in coverage, and even on occasion, they knew what to do offensively to get T.J. Watt into coverage, and that happened a couple times. So kudos to the Browns, first and foremost. But secondly, at what point do you say, we got to give Spillane a break, we got to try something different, whether it's Marcus Allen? It just seemed like they kept hitting their head against the wall, just banging their head against the wall, expecting a different result, which is is the epitome of just being, it's just, it's horrible. I, I couldn't believe that Filer and Spillane played that much after being gone for so long. The next loser is just a very broad spectrum here is, is the defense. We all knew that the offense was a roller coaster coming into this game. It has been for the last, I don't know, the last eight games had been a complete roller coaster ride. But what happened to the steady Eddie defense? The defense that's not going to give up over 20 points. That's the defense that's going to be able to go out and get pressure on the quarterback. They didn't get it. They didn't even, I don't even know. Let me check real quick. I don't even think they had a quarterback hit on. No, they didn't. They didn't even have a quarterback hit on Baker Mayfield. Think about that. They didn't sack him. They didn't have a quarterback hit. The defense deserves just as much blame as the offense. They didn't get a turnover. They had opportunities. Terrell Edmonds. They had opportunities. Steven Nelson didn't capitalize, and that was the turning point of the game. Defense should be ashamed of themselves, but especially the rush defense. 127 yards given up on the ground. 127 on the ground, and when you look at the numbers for the Browns specifically, well, you're looking at Nick Chubb. He had 76 yards on 18 carries. Kareem Hunt, 48 yards on 8 carries. They averaged 4.1 yards per rush, two rushing touchdowns. Nick Chubb had a long run of 20. Kareem Hunt, a long of 13. It was bad, and it's been bad all season. This shouldn't be breaking news for anyone. Shouldn't be breaking news for anyone. And I said it leading up to this game, the best chance the Browns have is to get a lead and for the Steelers to struggle stopping the run. They did that. They did it unconventionally, meaning the Steelers gift-wrapped a lead for them. But ultimately, they took advantage of it. They turned those turnovers into points. Can't blame them for that, but you can blame the Steelers for not being able to stop the run. And then last loser, the ridiculous passing numbers for the Ben Roethlisberger. 68 attempts, 47 completions, 501 yards. That doesn't equal winning. That equals desperation. That's what that equals. That I can't say it any better. People think, well, he threw for 500 yards. Yeah, in a loss. 68 attempts. No, no team in the National Football League goes into a game and says, all right, guys, our goal is, ready? Our goal this game is we want to throw it 70, almost 70 times. That's our goal. That's how we're going to win. 
No, no one says that. No one says that. You throw it 68 times because you are desperate. You throw it 68 times because you have no other way of moving the ball. You throw it 68 times because you spotted them 28 points in the first quarter. 28 to nothing in the first quarter. That's why you throw it 68 times. All right, fans, I was going to talk about another something else with the wildcard games, but I'll do that on Wednesday. I'll do that on Wednesday. We'll, we'll keep that. Uh, it's about the NFL, the NFL's gimmicks. We'll do that on Wednesday. Ultimately, I hope that this was therapeutic for you, as therapeutic for you as, as, as therapeutic as it was for me. Uh, it feels good to get this off my chest to kind of try to keep a level head about a lot of this stuff. Ultimately, understand that we, and I say we intentionally, because Behind the Steel Curtain family, a podcast, as well as the BehindTheSteelCurtain.com website, we're not going anywhere. If you're sitting there, if you've enjoyed this content all year, and you're like, you know what, this has been great, I've really enjoyed listening to these podcasts, you're not going to miss anything because we're not going anywhere. We're still going to have at least two podcasts, at least one, two podcasts every weekday, and then at least one on the weekends. So if you're someone that loves the podcast, don't go anywhere because we aren't going anywhere. BehindTheSteelCurtain.com is still going to churn out at least probably, I don't know, 10 to 12 uh, content articles a day. So if you love reading about the Steelers, you love talking about debating with other fans and things like that, it's a great community. It's a great community. I can't thank you all enough, those those that are my loyal listeners. And there's a really good group of you, and I know that a lot of you follow me on Twitter and we'll communicate back and forth. I appreciate each and every one of you. My, this is the first year, the first season that I have done a show, a solo show by myself for an entire year. I've always done shows with other people. This is the first time I've done a solo show by myself, no one else. And I've really, really enjoyed it. And I hope that you all really, really enjoyed it too. Uh, the numbers did show me that you have enjoyed it. And so Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm not going anywhere. If you were hoping I was, sorry to disappoint. <laughs> Otherwise, Sit back and relax, folks. There's a lot to talk about as the Steelers now approach free agency, the upcoming 2021 NFL draft. It'll be here before you know it. And in the meantime, as we always finish it out, it it was a disappointing ending, but we're still going to finish out the same way. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Here we go, Steelers. Take it easy. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. 
Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.